This episode of Roderick on the Line is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked us not to read an ad, so hey, just enjoy the show. Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Good. What a day. Queso. Queso dia. Queso. Are you, have, are you, are you eating cheese? No, I have not had any food today. Um, I am subsisting entirely on pure energy. Oh, God, I'm a mess. Are you? Did you have some food? Did you go to, down to the Taco Bell and get a couple mm-hmm. hot dogs? <laughs> <laughs> oh, woe betide me on the day they start having hot dogs at the Bell. Can you imagine if they added just one more ingredient? Hot dogs. <laughs> I, you, you know what? You, taco oh dogs. My, you know case, what? If case they of, want this idea, it's going to cost them $700,000. But here's my thought. Introduce dogs. hot dogs. So first of all, you know what you can sell? Hot dogs. Hot dogs. As a thing. Everybody likes those. You could chop them into uh, discs, discs like the mm-hmm. size of the tip of your thumb, and you can mm-hmm. make it into a famous bowl. Taco and Frank's. Taco yeah, yeah. Bowl and Frank's. But here's the thing. You could cut a hot dog in half right. lengthwise and make it a hot dog-go. Hot dog Well, it would be a hot dog taco. It's just Oh, a, I see. It's a, it's a thought technology. Right. You fill it with taco stuffings, but instead of a taco, you would have a hot dog. Do you eat hot dogs? <sighs> I do eat hot dogs. We go through phases at our house where we forget about hot dogs for six months, and then we get we get a couple packs of like some Nathans, and uh, and we go crazy on uh, on hot dogs for a while. Yeah, I've started eating the Nathans. Uh, that you know they make jumbo Nathans. Have you seen these? Yeah, it's like it's like five in a pack. Yeah, I that's, bought that's very, some that's of those. Very confusing, but I do that. I've been I've been pretty happy with those. I have I ever told you about my about chili. Um, I'm going to say no. Have I ever told you my story of chili? The story Oh, of God, no. Chili? I don't know the story of chili. Well, this is, I like was, a, this is a Marvel origin here. Yeah, it is. It really is. John, tell, tell was, me the story of chili. When I was a kid, I did not like chili. Hmm? I didn't like chili because it had beans in it. And I didn't like beans. I didn't like beans because I didn't like vegetables. And beans were Be- a vegetable. Beans are a secret vegetable. And so at a uh, when I was when I was a kid I was an extremely picky eater I didn't eat I hardly ate anything and one of the things I didn't eat was chili. And uh I was revolted by chili. <laughs> well at Mount Alieska where I was a member of the junior racers ski team uh <laughs> on the top of the mountain was the original structure that was the top of chair one, the chair, the first chairlift. The first chairlift went up and went kind of in underneath this building, actually. The, you, you would get off the chair and then the chair would go, it would rotate around its hub underneath a building, which was called the Roundhouse. Guess why? Because of the uh, roundness of the structure That's in right. making the chair pivot. That's right. It was a. It wasn't actually a roundhouse. It was like an octagonal building, um, but it was effectively round. And the, the chair comes around, and that takes people down. That's right. The mm-hmm. roundhouse at Mount Alieska, and the roundhouse was a uh, on the top floor. It was it was the, the the place on the top of the mountain where you would go and get a hot chocolate. It was the bar. You could get you could get some hot drinks, 
And sometime before I was a kid, sometime in the late 60s, they added an addition to the back of the roundhouse, which was kind of a big dining area. And it was it was all shingled in cedar shingles, including the roof. And the the furniture inside was in the like heavy wood picnic table style of furniture. Mm-hmm. I think in the bar they had tables and chairs, but back in the in the, the roundhouse where the kids could go, it was just big picnic tables. Anyway, at the roundhouse, one of the foods that they offered was chili. And they made chili burgers and they made chili dogs. And also chili. And so I would go in there every day uh, in the middle of the day at lunchtime with my friends. We would, you know, ski up, kick our skis off. Clomp this is, I just want in. to say this is a pretty handsome looking building. It's very nice. Kind of old world. Yeah. We would clomp into the roundhouse. You'd have to climb up some stairs and then you'd go. And then there was a, there was a porch, a, a deck on the outside, but you'd clomp into the roundhouse and you could get a hamburger, a cheeseburger, a hot dog, uh, and then all of those things with chili on them. And then fries, which I also didn't eat because I didn't like potatoes because potatoes were a vegetable. Mm-hmm. So my whole childhood... Just out of curiosity. It's, it's conceptually that they're vegetables. It's just the whole idea that they're vegetables. That's right. That's right. There I was didn't a time like when that, that was plenty for you to just not even touch them. Well, and also because potatoes and beans share a commonality, which is that they have a mealy texture. That's true. And I don't like mealy. Mm-hmm didn't like mealy, and I associated it with a certain kind of starchy vegetable uh, of which beans and potatoes, to me, were the exemplars. So I would sit at the roundhouse day after day eating my cheeseburger or my hot dog while my friends across the table ate their chili cheeseburger or their chili dog. And the roundhouse served these foods on big platters, and it was a pile of chili. You couldn't see the cheeseburger under the chili. Mm. You couldn't see the hot dog under the chili. It was a mountain of food. And I sat across from this day after day throughout my entire childhood. And then at a certain point in my adult life, I realized that I had been a fool. And in addition to all the other new foods that I was trying and learning to like, I tried chili for the first time. And I realized that chili is the perfect food. It has all the ingredients. It has beans. It has chili powder. It so, has so what happened? Did you, did you just, do you try initially just picking the beans out? Well, no, it was too late. I was not a kid anymore. Oh. I was not living in Alaska anymore. I could not go back in time. I could not go back and have all those chili burgers that I had failed to have. There was no going home again. I'd blown it. And when I finally did go back to the roundhouse as an adult and order a chili burger, it had changed. There wasn't the same. There wasn't enough chili. The, The new recipe, the resort had been purchased by a Japanese conglomerate. Oh, and ha- they built a new hotel. Everything's they smaller. A- they built a new roundhouse. No, not everything's smaller. Everything's they tore it down and they built a. I mean, I think the roundhouse itself maybe still sits oh, there. That's that's sickening, John. But the dining room is this giant poured concrete area with uh, lots of uh, lots of 
Coke products and branding and all kinds of foods. And the, it was gone. The smell of cedar, the, the cigarette smoke, the chili burgers. And so because, uh, because of that, I've spent the rest of my life trying to eat every chili burger I can to mm-hmm. try and make up, to fill that chili burger sized hole oh, in my gosh. heart. That's miserable. Right? I hate when stuff changes. Well, and, uh, in, and the thing is, I wish that I had changed and the chili burger had stayed the same. This is like a Harry Chapin song. The cat is in the chili burger and the silver spoon. In you couldn't the... see the chili for the beans. That's right. That is exactly what it was. Mm, my boy was good. just like me. And, uh, and so, <sighs> talk about memory. Well, now the nice part for me growing up in Cincinnati with our weird ass chili. Oh, was, right, with uh, cinnamon in it. Yeah, I've told this story a hundred times, but the nice thing about going and getting Cincinnati chili uh, was you, uh, you know, did you know about the different ways? You got the three oh, way, sure. The you got way, six the way and the five way and the two way and yeah, you got to catch up on serves, it. I think a three way is uh, spaghetti, of course, because you right. put chili on spaghetti, right? right? Spaghetti, chili, and onions. Uh, cheese. Oh, cheese. I think a four so way. F- four ways with onions. And then, of course, five ways when you're really getting grown up. And that's when you get the beans. Get the beans on top of the chili because the Cincinnati chili doesn't have beans. You can get it. They, 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 yeah, I, it's, it's, it's all in there. And I think it comes on a plate. It says Skyline Chili. Or you could go to Empress if that's how you roll. But hmm. uh, it, I think the whole thing was like $1.35. Yeah. My, uh, my I mom personally and I, really like Cincinnati-style chili. Oh, I do too. I do too. I, you know, it's, it's interesting, all the different uh, regional variations. You got the chili. You got barbecue. You know, everybody's got their own little uh, imprimatur. That's a no, shame no, that you missed out on that. Well, so so anyway, so I buy I buy these hot dogs, these Nathan's famous hot dogs, it's a good hot these dog. giant ones, because when I make chili, I kind of can't conceive of it, or or, or rather, it is it is it is uh, exponentially improved if I pour it over a hot dog or over a hamburger, mm-hmm. because I'm trying to get back to the to the roundhouse in Girdwood. This is your this is your uh, your Madeline in the tea. That's right. This is my rosebud. Mm. Is the is the chili dog burger in the roundhouse, and so I'm always trying to I'm always trying to make it, and I and so I eat hot dogs, but I eat them I eat them entirely as a. Um, it's basically what you're saying. It's a taco dog, except with chili, and and I do the thing that I like, which is I cover the whole plate with chili, and you can't see the food underneath it. Oh, I, I bury it. it it's yeah. like uh, it's like a political prisoner. You yeah. just can't even see whatever I'm covering with chili. <laughs> and I, I've told you, you know, now in in the modern era, in the contemporary era, with the with the wolf chili, I'll just take wolf whatever chili. we got in the fridge. Throw whatever, it in whatever the chili. we got. Throw it. Throw it. On, yeah, you got rice. You got uh, you got you got noodles. You got whatever. I'm mm-hmm. I'm just saying. I'm two minutes away from pleasure. Pleasure country. Let me, well, let me give you a little life hack. I'm ready. Throw in half a bag. Of frozen chopped kale. Oh, that sounds good. Frozen right? kale is better than it sounds. Right. So you take a take a one pound bag of f- frozen kale. You throw a half a pound of frozen kale into your chili. It basically just it bas it thickens it. It darkens the taste a little bit, and you know, using the uh, the inescapable logic, you are also now eating super health food. Life hack. Because, That's a good life hack. You know, you just ate a quarter of a pound of kale. 
Mm. And you didn't even notice it because you it were, you were busy trying to smother this chili dog. You're, we were waterboarding waterboarding this hot dog with chili. <laughs> You're gonna get a lot of reading done the next morning. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> That's the thing about chili, though. Is is it? You know what? We're probably the only people that care, but this is something that needs to be said. I think people in Australia and England and Germany are have they they have their pens out. And they are writing every word we say about chili down. Well, here's here's a couple nice things about chili. Is that chili is a pivot. So on the one hand, you can put chili on almost anything, and it True. will improve. You could probably put it on a banana. I don't care. It'll be better. Now the other nice thing is you can add stuff to your chili. I know this seems obvious, Americans, but you know if you've got a little bit of leftover ribeye, cut it up. Right in the chili. Oh my God, you're, that's flavor country. The other day I was making chimps chili, and in my cupboard i have i had several cans of heinz beans classic english beans classic english beans that they eat with their breakfasts <laughs> they're in their their english breakfasts they're uniformly gray colored english breakfasts they always have some beans some hot beans in ketchup is basically what it is get a slice of tomato <laughs> and get a gray slice of tomato some uh some blood sausage if you're being fancy and you got some and a eggs. gas mask. You got some bacon. You got the other kind of sausage to go with the blood sausage. Um, and then you know some some of them don't have the beans, but I think the beans are are pretty canonical. And so somebody gave me some canned Heinz beans because uh, they're like, oh, you're a man of the world. And I'm like, really? This is what this is how you express man of the world? Them Heinz beans? Well, they're like they're imported beans from England. And I had them in my cupboard, and I was like. I kind of sometimes do crave a a, a classic English breakfast. Oh but God, not... me too. I get the I get the full Irish. I just go in and say two words: full Irish. Full Irish. Where do you get a full Irish breakfast in we San gotta, Francisco? We, we, it's a place my daughter and I refer to simply as Irish breakfast. It doesn't matter why, what the place is called. We call it Irish breakfast. Why? Why have I not visited it? Ho oh, oh, ho! You go in there. Oh, you know they used to have the mixed grill. They discontinued the oh, mixed grill. The mixed grill was arr, even better. That was way arr. over the top. No, but the, the 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 I think you know there's a part of me that wonders if beans are almost like the British version of macaroni and cheese. Like mm-hmm. it's a cheap comfort food from I childhood. I believe it's true, and 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 it's also a vegetable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway. So I'm making chili, and I was like, what happens if you put Heinz beans in chili? Because I'd already put a couple of cans of beans and some other beans. You're and monster. Various beans. You're like Dr. I Frankenstein. Like, I was like, you know what? I'm putting kale in this chili. I'm going to fucking put some Heinz beans in there. And I dumped a can of Heinz beans. And they, you know, they're white beans, or they're a different color, kind of bean. They're a whiter, whiter kind of bean, uh, which is my favorite Procol Harum song. I wasn't going to say. <laughs> and, uh, and then all of a sudden the chili is just like, just lifts off into this other realm hmm. of like, it, it became a kind of chili that I wanted to put a bowl of this chili in front of someone just to register their surprise and delight. Like, oh, oh would you like some chili, chili? But it's not the chili you think it is. That's right. And they would look at it and they'd be like, "There's what's going on in this chili? There, there, there are 40 different realities. You know what I find, John? I find that people really enjoy it when you put a plate of food in front of them <laughs> while you're smiling and you go, try this. <laughs> hey, you think you've had uh, food? Try this. Welcome to Chili Hacker. Welcome to, welcome to Chili Town. I have, I have my, a concern. My favorite Dan Harmon show. Oh, huh? you. Huh? Huh? Where's my right. bell? Up here, oh, up high. Let me get, up high. Let me get up high. Oh, um, there was a piece of paper stuck in there. I, I just want to say, you know, every man has a little bit of pan man in him. Mm-hmm. Right? Because you can't have a pan man without being a man. 
There may be pan ladies, but I think it's canonically a pan man. I'm following you so far. I've known well, some pan ladies. And what, you know, people ask us about this, and I, I don't know if people say, like, well, what are you going to talk about pan man? Like, I can go to some one episode and go, like, let me explain what a pan man is. I don't know if we've ever exactly described. All you need to know, it's Sammy Hagar. Right. It's, it's Guy Fieri. Fieri. Did you know you got to say it like that? F- no, What really? a fucking pan man thing to do. Fieri. It, does he really say Fieri? I think he says Fieri. But you got it. Okay, so here's the here's here's the parts of having a, a being a pan man. I think I'm gonna get you t- jump in. Right I think to be the the classic pan man <laughs> things. You mm-hmm. should probably have a very silly goatee that's maybe a little long. You uh, should almost have that you can't help right, like a goatee that you just almost can't help. <laughs> no, it's, no, no, no. It's not fine. like you're a guy with a full beard and you shave it into a goatee. It's like your face just makes goatees. Yeah, you've got a you've got a, a genetic uh, goatee beard. Yeah, and then you should have some kind of stupid hair, maybe frosted. Could could be could be ginger ringlets. Could be ginger ringlets. It could, could be, be it could be spiky highlights. Ringlets. Right, spiky highlights. Some kind of fucked up hair. Okay, and then from there it spreads out a little bit. It could involve Hawaiian shirt short shirts. It could involve jam shorts. You probably wear flip flops for sure. And I think one of the canonical things, wouldn't you say, is you can't get it hot enough for them. <laughs> I think you can't get it hot enough for them. And so you, I, I think you actually have a, a canonical test. You have a Turing test, a, a Pan Man Turing test, which is, do you want jalapenos with that? To which he always says. Pan Man always is going to say, yeah! Fuck yeah, I want jalapenos with that. I think, I think uh, a Pan Man uh, uh, says woo. An awful lot. He's Does he call say, you bro or dog? He, maybe I think he calls you dog. I think he calls you bro. I think he is gonna. He's gonna. You know. In a way, this is what's weird. In a way, maybe George Bush is a little bit more. I'm oh. talking about George W. Bush. He's uh, like a closet pan man. He's a little bit closer to Pan Man because of his his habit of nicknaming everybody. Right, right. With kind of like, hey, what's up, Pantsy? Why? Because I'm wearing pants? Yeah, Pantsy. <laughs> what's the matter? You don't like being called Pantsy? Oh, also, 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 um, uh, not just sunglasses. They should preferably be wraparound mirrored sunglasses on one of those uh, douchey uh, uh, froggy things. You should have, think, or, or you wear them on the back of your neck. Now we're getting any, into douche country time. a little bit. Anytime you wear your head, your your sunglasses on the back of the neck, you are you're very very close to Pan Man, and I would say there are no ectomorphic Pan Men. Oh, like like nipped at the waist. You you usually a little bit. uh... Pan Men are typically endomorphs. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to throw that out there as a kind of like. I, and there may be some mesomorphic pan men, but I think most of them are endomorphs. You you and, could be uh, a pan man with a Macklemore haircut, but that's a very that's a very modern offshoot. That would be yeah. I, I you know there are Macklemore haircuts. They are proliferating. Yes. They are they are like oh my god, Merlin. They are like uh, they are like dandelion seeds now. Just in since we talked about it, I've seen so many more. Now I see it everywhere. But I don't think that that is that's not a typical. Uh, no. That's not that's not all the way pan man. I think a pan man has. Has a lot of body hair, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and I think I think what it is ultimately is that they feel connected to the spirit of having fun, living in the now, being here now, and this is what's so confusing about Matthew McConaughey mm. because Matthew McConaughey is by all appearances, a fairly normal human, but he's had a, some kind of pan man 
personality transplant. Wow. He's a pan man living inside the body of a normal man. Mm. And that's why I, that's why I, I have such a hard time grappling with Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't really fit the dominant paradigm. No, and yet, as soon as he opens his mouth, you're like, Pan Man. Yes, all right, all right, all right. So, so it's Michael Anthony of, of, uh, oh, of, of yeah, Van Halen, yeah, yeah. Ultimate, ultimate sort of Pan I think if, Man. If you have a musical instrument shaped like a liquor bottle, you're probably a Pan Man. If you look at Van Halen, you look yes. at them standing against the wall in 1977, and you look at Michael Anthony and you think like, aw, buddy. God, I'm sorry. That's that guy that used to work at the hardware store. Yeah, like, it's got to be tough to be Michael Anthony. And yet, in no photograph of Michael Anthony at any time, do you ever register the sense that it is tough at all. He's smiling. He's having the best time. He's enjoying being in fucking Van Halen. He really, really is. And not for a second. He's not standing in front of a brick wall looking sad. Nope. Not for a second does he think to himself... I'm the only guy on stage right now that's wearing a shirt. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, yeah. There are yeah, those times like, when like you're maybe like, something, oh, something oh, from the chess king. Oh, but Michael oh. Anthony's got to wear a shirt oh. because everybody else has got their shirt off, and Michael Anthony's a little bit of an endomorph, he's, he's, he's and he's got, got, he's got man boobs. He's got to keep his shirt on, but he doesn't give a fuck. No. He's having a great time, and that is characteristic. Pan and men give no fucks. He's not given. So here's one. my here's my concern, and, and John, this is a secret shame, but I feel like it's something I need to bring to you. Something I've been noticing about myself, mm-hmm. um, and I want to get your thoughts on what it might mean. I have been adding hot sauce to foods lately. Yeah, that seems and, normal. But I mean, isn't that worrisome a little bit? And, and specifically, let me just say it: I've been adding sriracha to things. Right. And as we all know, sriracha is the new bacon of the internet. <laughs> but but sriracha or a little bit of tapatio, but like I've started saucing things, and Are I you find that worrisome. You're afraid in the same way that like if somebody doesn't uh, like slap your balls with a with a leather luggage tag, you can't come. Is that, <laughs> I'm not German. <laughs> is that what you mean? Like. <laughs> There's dust. It's called dust hog. Dust lopping. There's this, it there's can mean that, day or luggage tag. There's a fear. There's a fear that if you slap your balls once with a leather <laughs> luggage tag, you never go back. You're gonna be like, "Fuck!" Now I can't. <laughs> really See now, get now there. I'm now I'm gonna now I'm curious. I'm tag curious. So, I don't so, know. It's just weird, just though. I mean, like mean? chili. I add it to chili sometimes. Sure. I add it to other things. I still like, you know, I'll add a soy sauce to something. But I do find myself. And okay, and so the worst. So I've heard some people say. Maybe it was Churchill who said this. But somebody said, you know, you can judge a person. He, he will judge a person by whether they salt their food before they've tasted it. Because uh-huh. that's a sign of poor character. Sure, of course. And I do find myself sometimes uh, putting on sriracha before I've even tasted it. Well, you are. Is this worrisome? Should I worry? The thing is that you, in me, you have a, you you have found a man of solidarity because I, uh, when sh- sriracha is available, I just grab it and um, matter of course, I just give it one huge <laughs> squeeze, squirt the rooster into whatever I'm doing, yeah, and that came about, I think, as a result of being trained in the art of eating pho, mm. pho, uh-huh. pho, 
I was, it was explained to me once by a, a Vietnamese lady that you should always, when you say the word pho, I don't want, I don't mean this to be like fieri, but when you say the word pho, you should always say it like a question. You should always turn it up at the end. Oh, hi. Pho? Mm. So when, now I do that and everybody's like, what? I'm pho? But when I, when, when, uh, when I first was instructed in pho, uh, this lady, I've told you this story, I'm sure, right? Where I, I went into a restaurant and the, the woman came out. It was right at the time when pho was being introduced to American audiences. Hmm. Like I remember v- it kind of came out of nowhere in the late 90s. Yeah, v- well, and, and in Seattle, it was the early 90s. There were a lot of uh, Vietnamese here. And oh, sure. They initially opened restaurants where they served Chinese food or whatever because it was all that all the, their... Uh, their audience could understand. Yeah, a little uh, mugu guy pan. Yeah, they they do you know like a like chicken cashew nut, and then they started introducing. And I remember this happening at a little restaurant that I used to eat at all the time. Uh, you'd see a new item on the menu, and you'd be like, "Huh, what? The, I wonder what the heck that is." You know, what is a what, what's a bon mi or whatever? And they'd be like, "Oh, would you like to try mm. our sandwich?" And you're like. I guess I'll try a sandwich. And then out comes this thing and you're like, this is the most amazing thing in the world. This is it Chinese shouldn't work. Food. It absolutely should not work. And they're like, well, we're not actually Chinese. We're Vietnamese. And it's like, and like somebody oh, on Mission Impossible, they, <laughs> they pull away a latex false face. They look exactly yeah. the same underneath. And you're like, oh, I see. And so one day I walked in and there was a little sign on the table and it said, try our beef soup. Oh, yeah. And it was a rainy day. Cold rainy day, and the uh, and this was a restaurant where normally the waitresses were their ten year old daughter and their twelve year old daughter, and I had a very good relationship with both of the girls, but on this day, it it wasn't the mother that came over to take my order; it was her mother, mm. the grandmother, that I'd only ever seen in the back, uh, like making the food, and she came out, and I was like. Uh, I'm curious about this beef soup. And she said, done. And off she goes into the kitchen, kind of excited, and I was kind of excited. And then she came out with the soup, and she said, you've never had this before? And I said, no. And she sat down at the table with me, and I, 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 have this, I have this recollection that she actually sat in my chair. Like she scooted my butt over and sat on the edge of my chair. That's a nice memory. And I'm like, hello. And she proceeded to prepare my pho, my pho for me. And she went through this whole, like, and then you do this, and then you put in the plum sauce, and then you hit it with the the hot sauce and then the jalapenos and then pepper and then fish oil. And then, you know, she's just like, and I was, I was watching the whole thing and just like a little horrified because I would not have put any plum sauce in it myself, nor certainly no fish oil. I wouldn't have squeezed a lime in it. I wouldn't have done any of these things. Mm. I would have just eaten the soup and left all that roughage on the plate. But she did it for me, all the basil and stuff. And then she's like, she did that thing that that woman in Austria did to me where she stood up, gestured at the soup, and then indicated that she was going to stand there and watch me eat it. (laughs) And I ate it. And so from that moment on, 
whenever I sit down at any meal and there are condiments on the table and other things, I just sort of go, yeah. you know, fish oil. And I just make everything like, pho? I'm very attracted to foods that you get to fiddle with. It might be a form of eating disorder, but even like when I have pizza, like I have lots of, you know, different kinds and, and measures of things I like to put on there in a certain way. I think it's fun when I get like takeout from the Thai restaurant and it comes with this additional, like you get the little paper thing full of all the stuff to put in. That's fun to me. I like yeah. that. I like building now, my own soup. Now let me t- ask you this. If you have a plate of food with like six different things on it, do you want those things to touch each other or do you want those things to not touch each other? I don't have a strong feeling on it. I've never been uh, concerned about the food touching. And I always, honestly, again, just to disclose, I've always thought it was kind of weird how many kids would freak out about it. But I'm guessing you're a, a non-food toucher as a child. Uh, if, you're, I, if you're eating uniformly white, non-vegetable food, you were probably pretty picky about your plate, too. Well, what I, what I do is I eat in order. Do you, do you like it? Do you, are you, are you eat one thing at a time, or do you like it all to finish at once? Well, so if a plate arrives and the, there are five different discrete foods in five different discrete piles, mm-hmm. I go around and I eat some from each pile in a sort of clockwise until it's all gone. Oh, yeah, yeah. I move in a pattern. I, I, yeah. I do kind of like them all to finish at the same time. But I'm also a goulash lover. Mm-hmm. And if there's any way that I can like get a babimbap thing going on where it all... You and I have had some babimbap. Oh, is that the place with the shavy noodles? No, no. bimbap. What the hell is bim-bap that? Bimbap is the is the Korean dish in the super hot stone bowl. Oh, yeah, I'm like, looking at it now. I love that. It's like beef and a wasn't egg that fun? That place kimchi. we went, we got to make our own food. That was very I fun. I love that stuff and little bowls. Ooh, love so little bowls. I, if I can stir my shit up in into just like a like a just a mush, I'm really into that too. And mm. that's a thing my dad would not tolerate. If my dad couldn't tell each item of food in his food, he didn't want anything in a, he didn't want it all covered in sauce. He did not want, he wanted to see, <laughs> he wanted the meat and vegetables to be separate. He wanted to see it all and know it. <sighs> he and I are different people. Yes. Bibimbap. Bibimbap. Did I tell you, I, I started, I found a bunch of cassette tapes of my dad. <laughs> It's like, dude, about this. His recordings of your dad doing, um, was it, um, what was it? So he was an administrative law judge. And it's like negotiations or something? Well, labor disputes, he was an arbitrator. uh, And, but, but rather than being an arbitrator where, you know, he's trying to reach a compromise, as an administrative law judge, when it would when when disputes between management and labor or between a professional person and the and the licensing agency or whatever when those disputes would reach the point where there was no resolution oh sure they would appear in front of my dad and he would actually make a binding decision it's like arbitration arbitration but but he was the he 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 was yeah, he 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 was a hearing officer. He would hear cases presented by the lawyers of both sides, and then he would arbitrate. And so there are cassettes and cassettes and cassettes and cassettes of these uh, cases from the 1980s. And I found them all in a bag, and I was like, hmm, well, I'm I'm cleaning the house. What the hell? And I 
start popping them in the 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 stereo and it's like the most boring episode of law and order ever like uh uh would you say that when you first read the contract it stipulated that management would pay for the time that it took employees to go to the DMV and get a copy of their driver's record. Uh, yes, I would say that. Do you have any notes to that effect? Well, as a matter of fact, I do have the notes. And it's just like, are we ser- seriously? And this everybody what- who ever uses a sentence involving suing someone should have to listen to all of those. It's insane. It's insane because the whole process... It's, un- of- it's, un- it's unreal. I mean, the difference to the company was a difference of $500, let's say. And yet, there's this protracted dispute with the union that goes on for months. They, uh, 50 people testify. And my dad is sitting there, and I'm, I'm listening to this cassette, and it's like being at work with my dad. And I never knew... I, I was not interested in this phase of his career. Right when he got to when he was an administrative law judge, it was after he left the railroad, and I was just like, uh, "So what do you do?" And he's like, "Well, sometimes like a doctor will get accused of malpractice, and there's a there's a suit that's happening where he's being sued, but then there's also the case of the state deciding whether or not to revoke his license, and that portion of it." appears before me and I hear his lawyer and the state's lawyer and they argue whether or not he should be allowed to practice medicine. And then I make a determination. And in a way it's like, wow, that's pretty gnarly, but also, Oh, so boring. Mm. Dad, I'm fucking 23 years old. I'm going to do some Molly and go party. (laughs) We didn't call, we didn't call it Molly then. Yeah. Uh, but, um, So I'm listening to these tapes, and Merlin, I swear to you, I can't stop listening to them. You like play them in the background. I mean, I'm, I'm really do you do thinking it the way you listen to music. Do you like really sit down and, and headphones on? I mean, no, I'm I'm not headphones, but I mean, I'm I'm folding laundry or whatever. But I listen to the I listen to the guy present his case, and I'm like, well, this guy's got an airtight case. And then the next guy presents his opposing case, and I'm like, huh. Well, as a matter of fact, I kind of agree with his case. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of a hard job. And then my dad will say something. He, my dad, will, he sits up there on the bench, and every once in a while, he's like, well, counselor, I think you might have made your point. And everybody in the room laughs because he's making some lawyer joke. And all the lawyers are like, ha, 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 yes, sir, you are right. You know? And I'm like, wow, it's like, it's like, it's like they're having fun in there. Being lawyers with each other? Yeah, they know what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And and they're like, they're boring as shit, but they're like, they're trying to have some fun while they can. Mm. And they're deposing all these witnesses. And you can tell there are people that are nervous. They don't want to say the wrong thing. You know, the, the whole, the, the union is watching and all this stuff. These mm-hmm. shop stewards that have never, that don't know how to use a microphone. Wow. It's it's amazing. They're really, and I, the thing is, my dad doesn't appear that often because he's mostly listening. But I kind of want to play the tapes for my daughter, just like 
Well, you never knew your grandfather, but here's a glimpse. <laughs> he was more interesting in person. <laughs> <clears throat> when he was yelling at you about your eggs. Yeah, this is more of a lawyer joke. <laughs> You'll get it one day. Let me explain this to you. <clears throat> you should uh, you should hang on to those. Yeah, it's one of those. I, mean, I know you're. you're you know, it seems like you're maybe in a phase where you're thinking about what you can let go, but that's a nice thing to have. Yeah, I mean, it's maybe not. Maybe when I'm 80 years old, I'll be listening to these Alaska labor disputes from the 80s, <laughs> trying to reconnect with my dad. <laughs> Pretty funny, fucking life. So you don't think I should be worried about becoming a pan man, though? I mean, I really, I really do like the first four Van Halen albums. Here's the thing about Shit, I, you. I, I like Standing Hampton. I mean, you know. Listen, if I if I so was sitting called on, for the Sammy Hagar record, Stanley Hansen. You talk about <laughs> Standing <laughs> Hampton, isn't that what it's called? Jesus, I don't know. Yeah. Are you talking about H- Hager, Sean, Aronson, and Shreve? HSAS, Lies No More Lies? No. I was talking about uh, the one that's got, uh, what's this got on it? It's got, There's Only One Way to Rock on it. Oh, that's a good tune. Does it have Three Lock Box? <clears throat> no, that's on Three Lock Box. Oh, that's sorry. also the one with Your Love Is Driving Me Crazy. There's my band there's used to cover. There's only one way to rock. Honestly, if I was sitting on a BART train... On the Bart train. On the Bart train. And you were sitting across from me. I, and I don't mean this in the wrong way, but I might say to myself, I might say to myself, hmm, is that a pan man? Really? Just because there are certain characteristics that you have that 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 are shared with pan men. Hmm. Hmm. You tuck your jeans into your socks. There's the thing about your face is kind of goatee shaped. I I do have a somewhat goatee shaped face. There's a goatee shape to your face, and over the years, some of your hairstyles were fairly pannish. Holy shit, you're right. But I do not find I you know, and the the fact is that maybe your pan personality got switched with Matthew McConaughey's. Actual personality somewhere. You should look at your guys' birthdays. Yes. And see if maybe it wasn't a personality transplant that happened somehow with the storks. Mm. That your personality belongs in Matthew McConaughey and his personality belongs in you. Because you have a not, not I don't think, a pan man personality. No, I don't think so. I don't think you do. I wonder if he's riddled with self-doubt. I don't think he is. I don't that think is, he is either. You look at that guy. Okay, yeah. so there you go, though. Isn't that a good, that, that's a pan man quality, not riddled with self-doubt. Precisely. Not on the surface, like, anyway. Right. Like, a guy like Matthew McConaughey, living in Texas, right, he should be, uh, he should, he should have been born probably with your, like, hyper, well, that's, see, this argument is kind of not holding water with Matthew McConaughey having your personality. Yeah. But maybe you should have had his personality. Mm. And then there's somebody else. There's a third element, a third person that should have had your personality. Right. Right? It sounds like a Marvel thing. And then you would have had their personality. Maybe that's what it is. Sammy Hagar, 67. Doesn't look a day over 64. (laughs) (laughs) The pictures of him on Google, he's giving a thumbs up. He's singing uh-huh. real loud. That's He's how got he a feels. Shit-eating grin. That's oh, how what he about feels. P- P- puka shells? Puka he shells. That's kind of a pan man thing, right? Listen, don't talk shit about puka shells. Mm-hmm. 
in the seventies, I wore puka shells. And then in the nineties, my sister in a gesture of like early nostalgia, which is uncharacteristic for her. She bought me some puka shells and said, remember when we used to wear these? She's so thoughtful. Back in the, that back in 1976 when Leif Garrett was on the cover of of uh, Teen Beat magazine. Oh, he was frequently puka shelled. He did. He was, and he's kind of a little bit of a pan man, actually, when you think about it. And 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 uh, and so I was like, oh, Susan, how cute! And so I wore puka shells, and I wore them throughout the 90s when they were not um acceptable Mm -hmm. and my puka shells broke at one point and i re-threaded them on mint flavored dental floss (laughs) so when if you happen to be somebody let's say for instance who was kissing me on the neck which happened sometimes back in the day you would get a little minty because of all the molly little little minty like bazing Mm. you're like what the wow why is your neck so minty You're it's always like, offering surprises to the people who are intimate in your life. That's right. Smell life this. hack. No, life smell hack. This. <laughs> My necklace is made out of dental floss. But anyway, so I got a lot of uh, I got a lot of shit for the puka shells, and the more shit I got, the more I doubled down on the puka shells. Mm-hmm. And if you look at some early long winters promo shots and footage, I am still wearing those. <clears throat> Fucking puka shells, even into the 2000s. I feel like, I don't know why, but I feel like maybe in that Western State Hurricanes thing, when you guys are on like local TV, I feel like, why do I feel like you might be wearing puka shells? I, 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 it is entirely possible that I was wearing puka shells because I never took them off and I had them on pretty much from 1995 to 2003 until finally um, the dental floss like gave way and mm. then. And then I was like, am I really going to rebuild these puka shells? I'm a 35-year-old man. <laughs> and so I put them in the keepsake drawer along with the uh, little black crystal wrapped in silver. I like the idea that you have the keepsake drawer. <laughs> well, for little keepsakes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Did, it, did a girl ever give you a crystal? No. No, I don't think I ever got a crystal. I never got that far. I, I had a, a a lady friend who was very crystally. Yeah, I'm pretty confused by crystals. How so? Well, <clears throat> I mean, they're they're supposed to be an energy thing with chakras. Is that right? Chakras. Yeah. And you're supposed you want to sleep, you, you want to sleep under a pyramid of copper pipes. Okay, I could do that. And then uh, you have your crystals aligned with your chakras, mm-hmm. and the energy streams that are invisible to you until you. Until you do these other things. Then you see the streams. That seems like a lot of work. <sighs> you ain't kidding. <laughs> That's the reason I'm tired all the time. <laughs> I feel like I feel like the pan man equivalent in the lady land, uh, they, would, they would give you a crystal. And I got a crystal from one of the pan ladies. Did it represent anything? It, represent, it was a black crystal wrapped in silver. It's about as long as a cigarette butt. Oh, like a pointy crystal. Pointy crystal on nice. a necklace, and I was meant to wear it because it was the right kind of crystal for my energy oh, level. Oh, I see. It's a palliative. Mm-hmm. I was at somebody's house not too long ago, uh, and I noticed that they had crystals on several of their windowsills. Is that a crystal thing? Oh, uh, I think those are crystals that are supposed to send rainbows into the room. Oh, yeah. You know, I got one of those for Christmas. 
recently? Yeah, yeah. I got one this- from Mailchimp. Sent me uh, this thing where you, you suction cup it, and it's got a solar panel, and the solar panel makes the crystal turn around and shoot uh, rainbows into your room. This mo- this most recent Christmas that's just passed, like a couple weeks ago. A few weeks ago, the one from a few weeks ago. Oh, you by the way, Happy the New Year. Then. I forgot to say Happy Thank New Year. You. Thank you. Glad to be here. D- John, to be do alive. you have any New Year's resolutions since it's almost the New Year now? <laughs> Def- definitely not December 15th. Do you have any any thoughts on the New Year 2015? Mm-hmm. Do you really want to know? <laughs> I think, I'm kind of troubled that that seems to be your new sound. Uh, yeah, that is kind of... That I've been sounds making like you're right, right on, on the edge of giving up, but not quite giving up. Um, <clears throat> do you really want to know what my New Year's resolutions are? Yes. I mean, I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't, I don't want to bait you. Well, I think you can know the kind of resolutions I wouldn't want to hear about. <laughs> but you know, what, it's, how, how long are we into this episode? Is it time for me to start talking about? Well, all I know is it's okay. almost fucking January, and I haven't eaten. <laughs> but but uh, no, John, 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 uh, what are you resolving to do in the in the in the, the two aught one five? So, do you want a music bed here? Yeah, what little, kind of music would do, you like here? Do you have a little like Rhodes piano? A little yeah. just soft Rhodes piano. If you're gonna do that, or I was made for loving you by Kiss. Just play very quietly. No, I don't think that's what I want. You were made for loving me. And conversely, Pan Men, every one of them. Mm. Oh my Paul God, Stanley? Paul Stanley. Fucking Pan Man. The he wants to know how many of you like to drink cold gin. It's a really straightforward question. <laughs> I want to know. Woo! <laughs> Hey, you having a good time today? I want to know. Any of you All right. have tequila? <laughs> I'm 67. He's 67 years old, too. No. And he, and he still gets on stage and takes his fucking shirt off. Yes. He is a badass. I bet he's vegan and just doesn't say so. Who knows, man? That Whatever he is, mm. I hated for 40 years, but now I fucking give you grudgingly admire him a little I bit? I give his propers, not even grudging. I say, Paul Stanley... Whatever you're made of, good lord! Uh, I wish it could be bottled and sold. I mean, Gene Simmons, you—I mean, you—you you get the sense that they that they wheel him to the stage in a handcart <laughs> and like and shoot him full of vitamin B, and you know, and like, and th- there's some kind of little uh, like Wrath of Khan ear uh, caterpillar, right? ear, ear, ear ear scorpion. That's in his head. That's like, sing, motherfucker, sing. But Paul Stanley, I mean, right now, he's probably on a fucking jungle gym somewhere. I don't know how he does it. Oh, man. Can you imagine the, the, the tortured, dangerous intercourse that he has at his age? Oh, my God. It's so, so horrible. I remember seeing a video of them in the 80s around the time. Of the, I want to say when they, uh, you know, lick it up, took off the makeup. And I just remember seeing this video where they were, in, I think it might have been on VH1, in a very straightforward way. They were being interviewed for a documentary. And Paul Stanley, I, I, in my head, he was in a hot tub. He might have been on a bare rug, but mm-hmm. there actually were like six girls in bikinis around him. It was lick the most ludicrous thing I've ever seen. Lick it up. Oh, a terrible song. You should let me make you a tape. You should let me make you a tape of, of some good kiss stuff to really get you rolling with it. I've heard all the good kiss yeah, stuff. Yeah, you should a, come back now that you have your newfound appreciation <laughs> for Pan Man Paul. You should let me bring it back around. It's a, there is a surprising amount of good kiss music. I will not deny it. Some of the Peter, uh, some of the ones that Peter sings are really good. 
it's only it's only overshadowed and contextualized by the fact that the lion's share of Kiss music is a garbage. This keeps B, dropping out. I feel like I, I was hearing you. And- <laughs> B performed by people who are non musicians. And C, it's like it's being performed by angry vending machines. C, like- C also somehow reprehensible. Right? I mean, it's like Kiss is reprehensible. Yeah, they seem more gross every year, even in retrospect. Yeah, they're not. It's not that they are. It's not that they are diabolical, which is what they think they are. No. And it's not that they are, uh, like, uh, uh, somehow, um, they're certainly not sensual, but like whatever it is <laughs> that Def Leppard and Led Zeppelin had. Yeah. Where you get the, you get the sense that they are like, uh, they're really bad things are happening backstage. Bad in a good way. Yeah. With Kiss, it's just like, no, they're just. This they, is, this is where time is not on their side. As they Polo would say, family court. <laughs> That's the thing. Is like if they had stopped in the eighties, you would go, "Oh, look at that! It's a bunch of like sexually potent, like elemental creatures that got older and decided to call it quits." And now, in retrospect, all you can see is like <laughs> cre- creepy, creepy uncle, uncle Pinky Butt, like for the entire time. Now, in retrospect, you go, "Oh my god, you've always been like the creepy uncle." Yeah, right. Well, it's like, it's like, you can just, well, once we, you've heard Gene Simmons talk in the last 10 years, you, and then you see an interview from 1975, you go, Oh my God, you were already al- an old creep. He was already that way. Yeah. Uh, we've said it before. Gene Simmons is, uh, is, uh, Donald Trump in dragon boots. <laughs> it, it's, it, it's no good. Um, oh. Anyway, so my New Year's resolution. Yes. Is serious. I was made. It's really, it's actually, it's, uh, I don't usually make resolutions. It's super serious. But, but I'm making a resolution. Oh, it's, it's honest. It's legit. It's legit. Okay, I'm, I'm making an uh, uh, I'm making an honest resolution, which and I and and I and I and I uh, I hesitate to say it because I've because I've said this type of thing before, and I have I have no authority over myself somehow, but um, I don't. I do not intend to direct my energy. Any direction this year other than in the direction of making music. Whoa. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna direct it in the direction of being a talk show host or a feature writer or a uh like a dumb uh comedy persona or a goofus McGroofus or uh you know a dingbat uh McDonough. <laughs> I'm gonna just. I'm gonna just. I'm not. I'm not gonna do any of that. Going out to the shed. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna see what lies in the uh, in the music in the music bed in the music. That's that's an exciting decision, John. Yeah, because there, you know, music. I've never stopped playing music, and I've never stopped uh, tinkering with music, and it's what. People want from me, but more importantly, it's this, it's this idea of like, did I stop writing new music because I wanted to stop writing new music or did I stop writing new music because I just succumbed to not writing new music? Do you know, it, was mm-hmm. it a decision or was it a fait accompli? Mm. And you do give, I give want- yourself a year to figure that out. Yeah, do I want to live the rest of my life having had that having made that decision just as a sort of like, eh, well, bleh. 
No, I don't. If I don't want to write music anymore, I want to say like, you know what? I'm, I, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to do something else. But not this like, oh, man, mealy-mouthed kind of mm-hmm. non-decision. Um, and so I, got, I, got a, I, I spent a year last year doing my talk show every week in Seattle. And I learned a lot. But one of the things I learned was that what I ended up doing was going in the direction of what I already knew. Right? Like, when, whenever I came to a crossroads and it was like, well, you can, you can start to try this thing, which is like uncomfortable. And, uh, you know, like basically what it was was that first show that I did, my first talk show, where I wrote my monologue and I got up there and I was covered in flop sweat and I, I didn't want to read the monologue. So I was trying to recall it. Mm hmm. And it you was, can't combine it. You got to go one way or another. Yeah, it wasn't funny. I was, I was, I was reaching for this thing that I'd written, and I couldn't lay my hands on it. And so, over the course of the next month or so, I did less and less preparation and more and more improvisation, and the show got better and better, and I was happier and happier. And I took that as a lesson, like, well, go in the direction of your happiness, right? You didn't do this show to make yourself unhappy. Mm-hmm. And so I pursued the direction of my happiness, which was in the direction of what I already knew how to do, which was get up and tell a 25 minute story about a 10 minute walk. And if I had said, no, you know what? The structure of this show is that every week you're going to write a monologue and you're going to figure out how to deliver it. I would have, the show would have been, super uncomfortable and super hard but now a year later i would know more i would i would have learned more because i would have been learning something learning a new skill instead of instead of luxuriating in a thing i knew how to do i know what you mean and so i feel i don't feel like the the year was wasted i don't feel like the show was wasted um, it was all, it was all a, a good learning experience, but when I look back at it, the key component in my life that's missing is a relationship to work. And I did everything I could to make that show not work for me to do. And I need to, that isn't what I need to do. I need to learn how to work. I don't want to work. I don't... I do not want to have to work. I bought a lottery ticket the other oh, day. Oh, you're kidding. I, uh, you know, I bought a fucking lottery ticket because every little cell in my body is saying, oh, please, 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 please find a way to not have to face work. Mm-hmm. Not even to not have to work, but to not have to face work. And I just can't, I can't do it anymore. I can't do it for the rest of my life. Yeah. So that's my New Year's resolution. That's a great resolution, man. Face work, which to me is writing songs. There's a lot to that, though. You got the, you got the, the, the writing and you've got the recording and the, and the playing. And now I'm talking like Bill Cosby, but you, um, <laughs> but you're, you're ready to embrace really kind of immersing yourself, it sounds like. You know, and it's a, it's a huge process. It involves a lot of financial investment. It involves a lot, I mean, a tremendous risk in the sense that um, 
I mean, not in, in a way, not a tremendous risk because if I the way the the world has changed, if I put out music now, somebody will want it. It's not like before where I could hand in a record and the record label would say, well, we can't support this. And then there, that would be the end. Like I can Amanda Palmer it and put it out there and there will be people who find us. The, the risk is only the same risk I've always been taking, which is what if everybody in the world doesn't love me unconditionally? Yeah. 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 And you know what? That's not any different. That risk isn't any different. Yeah. And you know, finding the answer to that question is never going to be as satisfying or useful as you might hope. However, yeah. it turns out. You're right. You're absolutely right. Which I, you know, I happen to know. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm aware of this. <laughs> and so, so I just have to, I just have to do it. And, oh, and well, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Turns out that not everybody in the world likes me. Shit. I guess I better go make something. Now, wait a wait a minute. Are you sure that not everybody in the world likes Easy. you? Easy. <laughs> I like you. Thank you. I like and, you too, John. Yeah. It's only three more days left in the year. So isn't that amazing? Let's make so it have, a happy, have, shiny new year. I have three more days to uh, sit in the bathtub and say, work works for jerks. You could use that. And, write that down. Put that in your, uh, in your lyric book. Works for jerks. Works for jerks. And, and then in the new year, I'm going to have to wake up and say, work is not for jerks. It's the only thing, really, that gives life meaning. Work is the only thing. Leisure does not give life meaning. Yeah. The hard part is getting started, and then the other part is the hard part is continuing. Yeah, and then finishing. That's the those third are hard the three part. Hard, the two those hard are the three parts. hard parts. The three mm-hmm. hard parts. The three hard parts are actually the name of my backing band. <laughs> <laughs> the three hard parts. Oh, God. <laughs>